Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. But let's start off, as I said, with Alistair McGuinness. And Alistair is the Scotsman of my dreams because he's here tonight to talk about haggis. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Alistair, you're very good to come into the studio. I was ragging my brains, what Scots people do I know? And your name came to mind. So I wanted to ask you lots of questions about Burns Night, which is tomorrow night, the 25th of January. They celebrate it on the day that Robert Burns' birthday, in fact, it used to be celebrated on the date that he died, but now it's his birthday. Tell us who Robert Burns was. Robert Burns is Scotland's most famous poet. Um, and I suppose he's most famous for um, his old Lang Syne and he's also penned um, the Ode to a Haggis which is traditionally um, the verses that you would talk about when you're serving the Haggis. And the Haggis is traditionally served tomorrow night as part of a Burns Supper which it it seems to be a really popular type event now. That's a huge thing back in Scotland and it's traditionally served with its neeps and its tatties and and if you're very posh you get a dram of whiskey with it as well. Haggis then, a lot of people will have an idea of what haggis is, although I did read that in a survey a number of Americans thought it was a small animal of some description. Yeah. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah. But it's Very not. True. It's something you can eat. So tell us what what's the best way to describe it from a Scotsman's perspective? Once you eat it, it's, it's not what you expect. Traditionally, it's made from what we call sheep's pluck. Okay, so sheep's pluck is heart, liver and lungs all minced together with onions, oatmeal, suet and spices. Doesn't sound no, it particularly doesn't appetizing. <laughs> it doesn't at all. But then it's cooked, it's all mixed together and then traditionally what it is, it's then put into the sheep's stomach, tied, and then to cook it it's slowly simmered for about two hours. But it's progressed on now. Some of you know they don't use the sheep's stomach as much now, and now it's artificial casing. Like you'd use for sausages, for yeah, example. Yeah, that's what it's moved on to. But traditionally, in olden days, it was the sheep's stomach. And whenever that was brought out, then did, was it chopped up into smaller portions and shared around? Very traditionally, what it was always done um, in some of the places that I worked in Scotland is that you would actually it would actually be piped into the room. Um, the chef would traditionally hold it away above his head. The piper would play his tunes, and then you'd walk around the room, and then you would get a speaker who would do Rabbi Burns's uh, speech. And then there's a big rigmarole that it's cut with a knife, and everybody stands up and drinks a dram. And it's served with something it's, in particular? Yeah, it's a very Scottish. Um, it's called neeps and tatties. And basically neeps and tatties is mashed turnip and mashed potato. That's it. Nothing else. There's no gravy. There's no white sauce. It's just plain as. Now, we said there it didn't sound particularly appetising, but it has been likened to foods such as black pudding and white pudding. Yes, and I would agree. I think if anybody likes black and white pudding, then there'd be no qualms about liking haggis. I think once you get over the initial shock of what's in it, <laughs> but it is, it's nice. It's much the same as white pudding, and they spiced it and coarse. 
sometimes it's mind over matter, isn't it? With folks like snails, frogs, legs, stick, tartar. If you don't know what it is, you usually, you know, you're you're more open-minded then when you don't know exactly what it is. Is it something that you personally like? I do, yeah. Like, we grew up with it, obviously, being uh, from Scotland. My home would be the Hebrides and Edinburgh. Um, and being a chef there as well, that was what we would eat. You wouldn't eat it every day, but if it was there, um, we would. And so it never caused you any difficulty as a child? It was just one of those regular dishes and you just got stuck in and you, you just got it. Yeah, if it was there, it was there. And yeah, it's nice. It is genuinely very nice. And obviously it's progressed on through the years. I mean, they've even gone so far as introduced a vegetarian one, which... I suppose if you were old stock, you might not uh, take too well to it. And then I suppose it's really progressed on now that it's available in most chip shops in Edinburgh or Scotland, uh, deep fried, the traditional way of cooking things. A vegetarian one is certainly what you could argue product development whenever it comes to like a national dish. It has, yeah. They've progressed well. I'll give them that one. Absolutely. Now, tomorrow night, will you be celebrating Burns Night in, in any particular way yourself, or do you find in Ireland now that it's a date that kind of slides past you? It is, unfortunately, I suppose, moving back here, yeah, it has slided past us. But look, we still have some at home, and uh, although I don't think the kids are too keen on it. Um, but yeah, if it was there, I would. You took the scenic route to Ireland. You were telling me earlier that you started off in the Hebrides and whenever you were five, you moved to Edinburgh. But your mother would have had the culinary influence on you because she was a great cook and a chef herself. Yeah, my mum would have been, I suppose, that's where we've all got it. Myself and my sister, Shona, that's where we got our chef and skills from. And um, once we moved down to Edinburgh, we progressed from there. We chefed. Myself and my sister both worked together in one of the hotels, the Carlton Highland, in Edinburgh. And then, I suppose as chefs do, you sort of go far and wide. So I've gone as far as Leon and um, Dubai. And then obviously uh, we came back here and worked up in Dublin and now. I've come across a few chefs of late who have spent some time in Dubai. What is the attraction over there? Is it is it very well paid? Do you get kind of carte blanche whenever it comes to creating dishes? What was the attraction for you to travel there? I suppose sun 365 days a year does help. Um, Yes, I suppose, you know, finance, you know, you would move there for financial, but it was a new country. Like we moved out there in 1998, so it was quite you know the culinary side of things was developing and i mean obviously we all see the news and what's going on there now it's a big big place now um and we had good fun you know we did um there was an, a lot of european chefs if you would like you know there was a community of you there, there was there. yeah there was a good we all had you know our societies that we joined and we would meet, meet up once a month and um, the arabs themselves wouldn't be chefs themselves it was I suppose and that that area now is very very keen on Irish produce there's more and more Mm -hmm. Irish products being exported out there and dairy in particular that's huge I mean a couple of places that we worked in I mean um, my boss that I 
originally went out to work with in Dubai is actually um, Mr. Colin McLaughlin, who's in charge of Dubai Duty Free, and I think, if memory serves me right, he started in Shannon. That's right, yes. You know, so Colin was my boss when I originally went out, and the premises that he owns, the Irish Village Aviation Club, is probably the the spot to go to in Dubai, and it's just progressed from there. So, yeah, um, way back when we went out in 1998, we had tremendous uh, produce that we could buy in from Ireland, you know, but then obviously with the costs, it, it sort of faded away, but it's certainly come back again. I mean, the likes of Borby and all that is very strong. And people are going to be saying then, well, okay, you started in the Hebrides, then you were in Edinburgh, uh, France, Dubai, and how did you end up in West Limerick? And it's a story not dissimilar to my own, I would imagine. <laughs> I suppose it all down to the female, <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I met oh. my, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife, Marie, um, out in Dubai. Um, as the story goes, uh, I was her boss for about two minutes. I originally went out as head chef and then Marie was uh, my sous chef, but that didn't last too long. Really? She, yeah, she took charge. So yes, we stayed out there for about nine years ourselves and then we decided to come back here. Okay, and it back up in West Limerick and mm. you worked in a few places, including Adair Manor. Yeah, we're in the Adair Manor. I was in Rathgill House Hotel and then we moved on to uh, the clubhouse out in Adair Manor, which was Obviously, it's all changed now, but it was a, a very busy spot when we were there. And you must be keeping a close eye on what's happening there now and very excited to see it reopening later this year. Yeah, I'd love to get in now. Yeah, once the security fences go down, it'll be interesting to see. But obviously, with Facebook and social media, you see some fantastic shots of what's going on there. So it's, look, it can only enhance, you know, it's a day It's going to be fantastic for be the brilliant. area. Absolutely yeah. br- great, you know. But you, you hung up your kitchen whites a few years ago and now you work for Palace Foods. You're one of their specialists. Yeah, I was. I was very, um, when we came back, myself and Marie, we came back in 2005 from Dubai and obviously we chefed here for a while. And I was fortunate enough to get a position in Palace Foods um, way back then. It's a long time ago now, but it's it's fantastic place to work. And yeah, a specialist, I'm specialising in uh, the produce side of, the business, uh, the west and east of Ireland just now. So a little bit of travel involved, but the big plus is you still get to meet chefs and I suppose talk the talk and explain what we're doing in Palace Foods, which is great. It must be very good and very useful coming from a chef background whenever you're dealing with them because you kind of, you know what their mindset is. Yeah, it is, it does help once you have the experience of you know what they're going through it is easier so you specialize in the fruit and the vegetables all of that and help them with menu planning i would imagine make sure new ideas i mean obviously we have our our development chefs and palace foods as well you know and obviously being a chef myself does help so you just get to meet them you sit down you give them ideas or you steer them in the right direction obviously you don't tell them what to do but you can give them ideas of what we have to offer and given the number of years that you you have behind you now no offense to you because it's younger <laughs> looking you're getting 
You must be able to see then that there's loads of different trends coming on board. And what do you see that's going to be on trend for 2017? What do you think is going to be really popular this year? Is Haggis going to make it on to I'll menus? try. I will try my very, <laughs> very best. We do sell it in Palace Foods. Not an awful lot now, but it is there. I think street trends the way that food is going, people are going back to basics. They really are. I mean, obviously you see it on the TV, but street food and just plain, easy, simple food. I think that's what it is. I mean, there's fabulous restaurants all over West Limerick just now. And they are, it's, you know, they're going back to basics, cheaper cuts of meat, you know, using fruit, vegetables, all in that. Uh, So it's great to see and it's healthy. And of course, the deep fried haggis, you couldn't get more street food than that. I'll try and bring that here. I'm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think you should rustle a bit of that up now tomorrow night for Mary for the, the dinner to celebrate <laughs> Burns Night. Thanks so much for coming in tonight to tell us about it. Jan, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 